This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Jim Spence, Sean Hamilton, and Alan Temple. You can tell it's a you can tell it's a biggie, folks. You know, four of us. It's a, it's a real weight. It's a, it's a it's a weighty podcast this week. <laughs> Too many cooks, you might say. Oh, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll we'll make us we'll reserve judgment on that front. But yes, <laughs> no, it's good to have you all with us. And uh, I do feel. I mean. I've, Guys, I've, I've felt like the sort of the grand old Duke of York over the, on this podcast over the last couple of years. You know, the amount of times we've we've spoken about James McPake and Dundee and thought that he was uh, he was on the edge. You know, would 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 Dundee sack him? You know, one more one more defeat and you know the worst might happen type thing. But on he's gone, and I have to say, you can never you can never underestimate Dundee's capacity to surprise us because when that. Uh, when that tweet, I don't know how you guys saw it, but when the tweet dropped to say that James McPake was away on the back of two wins, one of them very a very impressive one at Hearts, the one at Peterhead, less so. After everything we've been through, that roller coaster with James McPake, they had the capacity to surprise us because it, it just it just felt like one of of all the times this felt like one of the unlikeliest times, and then we, we kind of get into. You know, uh, John Nelm's explanation that they've been looking at that in weeks for weeks. We can kind of get to we'll get into the rights and wrongs of that later. But but Jim, here we are. Does he is he has he been hard done by? Oh, absolutely, uh, Eric. And I mean, you know, I mean, I think I'm not telling any tales at school here that you know one of the first things I did was send James a text because you know we are in this game journalists and we have to ask people we've known a long time sometimes difficult, hard questions, ones you don't like, but we also get to know people well. Um, we get to get on with people, we get to kind of like people, but mainly kind of, you know, we, we know that people are human beings. And I thought he was very, very harshly um, dealt with um, in many respects, dishonorably uh, treated. Uh, obviously, the wheels were in motion. We know we, 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 we know that now, but we let, let's be blunt, we knew it. The way it was done, it was... I mean, I don't have least. a problem with that as a, no. in, it, in itself, you know, because no, not, I think you'd be all. foolish... To, you know, you go back over, you know, they would get criticised if they sack somebody and mm-hmm. then they would like, who's coming in? But yeah, carry on, Jim. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the problem is uh, there's, there's no one denying that a football, because, you know, essentially whether it's a fan-owned club or a, you know, or the vast bulk of Scottish clubs privately owned, as, as Dundee are, um, it's entirely up to a board of directors, sporting director, managing director, whatever, to make that call. Um, and as long as they, they, you know, fulfil their contractual obligations to the man in question, that's, that's, it's not a problem. It, it, you know, we, we can feel sympathetic and all the rest. It's a judgment call they have to make, and John Nelms has um, has made that judgment call, presumably along with um, with Tim Keys. However, it's the timing of it, it's the way it's been done, um, and the and the fact that things you know had been in motion um, behind the scenes. And I think that's the problem. I think people feel that that to some extent McPeak, who got on very well with John Nelms, I think to some extent there's a sense that he has been shafted, almost stabbed in the back. Now we know what goes on in football. We know football, you know, is a, is a brutal industry at every level. And managers will make decisions. Managers will cut young players adrift, older players adrift. You know, I mean, it's 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 a it's a, <clears throat> a hard nosed game. We know that. But there is just a sense, given everything about McPeak, what he's been through, you know, the injury he had with the club and uh, and all the rest of it. Um, just a sense that when you know things look to be turning, and it was still be a shout that bluntly, if they'd been going to do it, they should have done it ages ago. Um, you know, off the back of a couple of good results, particularly a very good one down at Hearts. You know, they go and beat the third best club in the country on their own turf. 
indications there that they, um, you know, that they maybe just going to turn the corner. It was always going to be a battle. It'll be a battle. Whoever they brought, they, they brought in or have brought in. But I just there's just a sense that McPake has been really, really poorly treated. And I think even a lot of Dundee fans who maybe thought he wasn't the man for the job and were starting to tire of it think the way it's been done has been poor and it's been poorly handled. So a, a club is always entitled to dismiss a manager, get rid of a manager. But I think there are ways of doing it with a bit more dignity than this than Dundee have emerged from this one with. Yeah, I think you make fair points there, Jim. Right, Sean, somebody made somebody said to me it might have been it might have been Rab for his column. You know, we've written and uh, and spoken so much in the last couple of days. You, you forget who said what, but <laughs> the timing is as bad as it as brutal as it feels because because Dundee have have won two games and and let's face it, they're, they're off the bottom of the te- the table and. Again, let's not forget it's their first season back in the top flight. I think most reasonable people expected them to be in, if you know, if not bottom, but certainly one of the teams fighting it out to stay in the league. That's how that's usually how it works, unless you're you know an, a Hearts or a, a Rangers or a Hibs, you know, bounce or even a Dundee United bouncing back up. That's kind of that's football logic to So, but when you get past all that, when you're looking at James for his his long term. It's probably not the worst time for him to be sacked for his for his CV because he can say he can say I left Dundee second bottom on the back of a couple of wins in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. You know, it probably it will probably help him get an, get another job than if he was ushered out the building after scraping past who was it was it you know Bonnie Rigg or whoever it was in the Scottish Cup last season or taking the hiding off Ross County and all these things. So you know, in the cold light of day, it's It'll help James McPake, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you you could you could look at it that way, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, over the over his three years at, at Dens, there are probably there's probably a number of occasions where it probably it, the trigger could have been pulled, if you like, and uh, and nobody really would have questioned it too much. And and I'm not just talking about this season. I mean, going backwards, there's there's been a few occasions where he's been under pressure and. In fact, he's even acknowledged it himself. Oh, yeah, I think, well, know, I think out, he's they, on numerous occasions. If, not, if they weren't out of the playoff places last season, they were yeah. close to it, weren't they? I can't remember they were, exactly yes, if they dropped right. out. But yeah, it was it was touch and go for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, among that, there have been, they've been a good few sort of heavy defeats that have come as well. And, you know, I think had it, had it been done before now... It, it, Maybe maybe not this season, but last season at certain points he was he was certainly under pressure. So, yeah, he, he he's I don't know if hung on is the right word because I mean that doesn't take into account the the fact that him and and John Nelms mm-hmm. do have this relationship that they have, and I think it's fair to say that, that that John Nelms again we have to say probably and we have to make assumptions because John Nelms never speaks to anyone, so we, we don't know what he's thinking, but it would it appeared. James McPate was something of a of a project Correct, for yeah. John Nelms, you know. Yeah. I think he he John Nelms had invested a bit of himself in this um and wanted James to do well. And I think all Dundee fans wanted James to do well as well. Um one of their own of and the all that. that he, yeah. he conducts himself about the club and during his playing days and his managerial days, you know, you could see that he was he was bothered about the club, you know, he, he cared uh about about how they were doing. Um so for him to get to this point uh i guess is in a sense it's not surprising because dundee haven't been quick to pull the trigger with, with managers previously they haven't been quick to do it this time 
Uh, and yeah, I suppose the only thing that raises an eyebrow at this point could be the timing, giving the results that, that they've won. And then perhaps also what's going to raise an well, what has raised an eyebrow is the appointment as well of, of Mark McGee, um, which a number of fans are, are not too impressed with. Uh, time will tell on that front. But in, ter- in James's case, in, as far as his reputation is concerned, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's certainly when you when you look at the circumstances, when you look at the timing when he's been sacked, the the games that they've won prior to that, the fact that they're still in the Scottish Cup, yeah, it, it, there's there are certainly a number of things that in in a few months time or six months down the road, maybe a year down the road, when he decides he wants to get back in, he can he can point to and say it wasn't an unmitigated disaster here, by the way. So yeah, it, 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 they've they've certainly they've allowed <laughs> allowed that sounds mad. They've sacked him. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't allowed him to leave <laughs> with uh, with something, but they've punted him at a time that 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 is is down the road will probably be beneficial to him. Yeah. The other thing that we shouldn't forget, and Alan, I'll I'll give you the last word on 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 James McPake as as you've covered you've covered a few Dundee games and and, and seen him, but you're you've kind of you know it's not been they've not been your your core team as it were over the last two or three seasons, so. You've maybe got a different perspective from the other guys on it as well. But we shouldn't forget, you know, Dundee went into that playoff last season. You know, Kilmarnock were strong favourites for it. I mean, that that was an achievement in itself. You know, you can kind of, you know, you kind of, you do forget these, forget these things. So that's another thing that you have to add in. So if he was going to get a, a championship gig, for example, he can, he can throw that into the mix. So yeah, Alan, what was your... You know how did how did you look upon James McPake, the Dundee manager? Well, I think well, Sean saying it wasn't a unmitigated disaster. That's some some damning with faint faint praise there. But it's I think I think <laughs> he does that sometimes. I think, to be to be honest, I think and I hope in the fullness of time uh, he'll be considered to have achieved his goals and actually done not too bad a job at all. Um, and he, remember, he took over Dundee at a time where not only were results poor, but the feeling around the club was at about as low an ebb as anyone involved in Dundee or supporting the club can ever really recall. And he lifted spirits, he brought people together, he got a feeling of togetherness behind the scenes at the club. And in doing so, although it took maybe a season longer than some people would have liked, he got the club back to where, it, you know, empirically you would think it belongs in the top flight. So when you Put all that together as a rookie manager. I think there's a hell of a lot to be proud of there because uh, you guys will well know getting a, a football team winning matches on the pitch is so much more than just picking a team in training. It's about the, the vibe around the place and the togetherness and work ethic and whether just, you know, that intangible it, you know, about getting a club pulling in the right direction. And James McPake did a lot of that um, from a very difficult starting point. So, yeah, as I say, you know, we've obviously got George who covers Dundee football matters day in, day out to a great extent. Um, I know James reasonably well from back when I used to cover Hibs when he was the captain. Oh, yeah, and I've course, got yeah. a lot of time for him. He, um, you know, win, lose or draw and sometimes lose quite heavily, it has to be said. He would still come out and front up and deliver home truths and you know, be honest about things. And he was a leader in that dressing room um, as a player. And he's at Dundee. He's been a leader in the dressing room as a player and now as a manager. So he's a 
he's a good man first and foremost. Um, and beyond that, I think he's proved to be a promising manager, if not um, uh, a, a you know roaring, unmitigated success. There's there's definitely something there, and he definitely deserves another job uh, at some point to 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 build on what he did at Dundee. Yeah, and I think we can. It's it's not comparing apples with apples, but. You know, you just look at Stephen Glass, for example, who's, who's lost his job, wasn't given as much time, granted. But, you know, there's there's a, a rookie manager, if you like, and, you know, he's going to go away with with his CV not enhanced after his, his spell at Aberdeen and probably t- and took over in more favourable circumstances than James McPake did. So there's a compare and contrast right there. Jim, we'll move on. We're going to, I think, the next stage before we speak about uh, Mark McGee and what he's actually going to do or whether his suitability for for the Dundee position. Before we get to that, I think we should talk about the sort of, I mean, (laughs) Sean hints at it. We don't know. We're making making guesswork and judgments from speaking to people we know in in the game because we're not, none of us, none of us have got a direct line to to John Nelms. So there we go. That's cards on the table. I don't think there'll be any any shock to anybody there. Um, John Diddy's spoke at the at the top table to introduce Mark McGee yesterday but but didn't take questions so you know we didn't we didn't really glean much more other than what he what he wanted to say which was probably which was scripted but I mean I've got a, my own theory from speaking to people and then seeing seeing what John Nelms has said I, I suspect that what's happened is they've sounded out the likes that they've tried to Get like said Jack Ross, I think would have been the obvious one, the obvious connection because they'd gone from before he was avail- he was I say available, he was out of work. I suspect this is probably what's happened. Maybe some, maybe somebody else they've they've kind of tried to put feelers out to, and then when it's become clear that Jack Ross wasn't going to take the job, all of a sudden I suspect John Nelms is has given more of a. Has turned round to Gordon Strachan and then Gordon Strachan says, "Well, I know we can get we can get Mark McGee. Do you get a feel for that sort of process?" Yeah, I mean, it's uh, th- th- that's always the way it's done. I mean, for you know, for all I'm kind of critical of of you know how football operates, um, you know, even at Aberdeen when you know they dismiss their manager and then go to interviews and all the rest of it, undoubtedly there'll have been feelers gone out, just generally, you know, to agents and all the rest of it. Now, you're right, I mean, you know, despite the fact that John Nelms actually sent me a Christmas text, I'm actually wondering if it was by oh. mistake, but... Um, Hang on a minute, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, 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 I'm kind of, no, listen, I'm fine fun. with John, we've had, we've had our ups and downs, we've had, um, you know, we've had... Uh, what was it, Merry we, Christmas, we, 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 don't darken our door ever yeah. again, you're banned. <laughs> when, when Bill Colvin was the, the managing director, uh, John, uh, uh, John had, had actually been banned from Dens, <laughs> As I recall, and uh, we had um, we had a pe- we had peace talks over the matter in the uh, uh, in the dens uh, uh, in his, his office, and it got quite tasty. But we got on, we got on okay. But he just John just doesn't speak to the media. I mean, he he, he he's not even dismissive. He just doesn't do it. I mean, he, you know, he, he I, I, I hesitate to say he doesn't care. But what we think of him, he finds irrelevant. What anyone thinks of of him and how he runs the club, he finds irrelevant. So that, that's that's what you're dealing with. And that's fair enough. It's a private football club. Always, when people used to bump their gums about Thompson at Tarnley, I used to say, this is a private football club. The Dundee fans had their chance. They gave their club away. 
after winning. Oh, we know where we are with him. That's the thing. I know that. So we know where we are with him as well. You know, I don't. It's not a criticism. It's no, just that, that's right. But, just but we do have operate. our ends. You know, we do speak to players. We speak to agents of players. We speak to all the rest. Of, so we get a flavour of kind of how things have gone. You know, so um, and we speak. We speak to agents who represent managers and all the rest, and and people who you know, people who are managers who might or might not have been contacted. And obviously, they put the feelers out, but but weren't getting the right receptors from uh, the feelers they put out. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you've got somebody like Gordon Strachan, who's about the club, who, you know, is, is, is best buddies with uh, with Mark McGee. And we can only presume that's, you know, that's how it comes comes about. McGee himself has kind of has alluded to that, you know. So so that's how it, um, it, it comes about. Now, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I had a fair bit of dealing with Mark McGee when I used to work trackside a lot at Aberdeen. I remember covering the Motherwell game at Nancy. He was great, you know. He, he Speaks well. His guys come in, sit down, have a coffee and croissants, chew the fat for two hours in the morning oh, at his hotel. Croissants? You know, <laughs> well, it was, France, it was France, boys. It was France. You know? So, um, you know, great deal. I mean, I, 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 I can literally remember actually having to pull my way. I, I, I was working trackside and actually ushering him down to, as he always got in an altercation with Don's fans who were giving him a real a real hard time because he's not ushering. McGee's a highly intelligent guy. I mean, he, you know, he's a, he's a clever, smart cookie you know the rest of it is he the right man well will he throw the bulk of the coaching duties onto you know the man he's brought in with him um I, i've got a sneaky sneaky suspicion the way he's talking he will but the way it's been done obviously feelers have gone out and all the rest of it everybody's had their tops worth and, and gordon strachan there as a contact um and quite tight with john nelms and tight with mcgee has, has has obviously offered a solution um, uh, which Dundee have 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 jumped at, and only time will tell. I mean, this might be a this might be a roaring success. You know, they they they, they might kind of uh, suddenly find you know with with the the great coaching credentials that we hear the uh, uh, the fellow Rusk has that just kind of pulled Dundee away uh, in a few weeks' time from the from the foot of the table. Uh, we just don't know. That that's the nature of football. But um, there's a couple of things. I mean, the way it's been done kind of leaves a, 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 a to me a sour taste in the mouth. But we know how football operates, so it shouldn't. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the McGee striking connection has 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 come to the rescue. I suspect after maybe they've thought about a Jack Ross, and Jack or his representatives or whoever have went, no, not this time, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, Sean, you you said it to us when we were chatting yesterday that he's. Mark McGee was wise not to try and uh, downplay the Gordon Strachan factor because it's 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 there and it's the reason he's got the job because you know for example I don't think we'd expect to see Mark McGee pitch would certainly would you know I don't think we'd expect to see Mark McGee pitching up at any other Scottish club in the Premiership if had they sacked their manager at a similar stage of the season no no and he acknowledged that himself uh, and. As I said to you yesterday, I think it, it was the wise way to handle it because the the question about Gordon Strachan was was always going to come and it was going to be one of the first ones uh, that was asked of him, um, given the obvious close relationship that they they have had over a number of years, going right back to when they were players together at Aberdeen and then continuing throughout their careers after that. There's There, there are numerous links between the two. Uh, even when they were at different clubs with, with players going back and forward between the two of them and then they've subsequently worked together with Scotland and clearly there's a friendship there. So so that question was was, was inevitable. And I think had he, <laughs> had he uh, played that down or said, no, that wasn't a factor at all, I think it just would have looked daft, <laughs> really. It just, would have, it just would have stoked getting a suspicion around the whole thing. So I think he was absolutely correct to... 
to to deal with that head on the way he did, uh, and he, and he was really really forthright about it. Uh, to 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 be fair to him, um, perhaps surprisingly so, for him to to come right out and say, yeah, no, let's not kid each other on. I'm I'm here because Gordon was in my corner, sort of thing. I mean, that's that's uh, yeah, he's not hiding from anything there. Um, I think he was asked also if he was if he was surprised to be back in, and that immediately led him straight back into the Gordon Strachan chat. So I think you can take your answer from that. that he's, he's, he's aware that were it not for his relationship with Gordon Strachan, he, he would not be a figurehead, a manager at a Scottish Premiership club at this time um, in his career. So to, to attempt to sort of play that down would have been would have been silly. So fair play to him for for acknowledging it and um, and, and dealing with it head on. Um, in terms of uh, what what that says about about John Nelms, I mean, I mean, what it would indicate, yeah, we, we, you've discussed the fact that he he would have made moves to sound out and Jack Ross being the obvious one. Other people, so it's fair to say that Mark McGee wasn't the first choice for the job, um, but he was the last one. So, so there, there you go. Um, and Gordon Strachan has clearly had a, a big influence on that. Absolutely, no doubt whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, in terms of what you were saying about Nelms, John Nelms, before as well. I mean, yeah, he's entitled to to run a business that he is the effectively the custodian of on behalf of of, of the owner. Uh, however, the owner wants him to, and if that means that uh, he. Stays distant from the media and doesn't uh, engage. Then that's and the fans will have to say. It's his prerogative. But that was this. So this is what I'm coming on <laughs> to. So recently, there, there's a story that, uh, about a, a prominent fans group who who have written. Uh, well, they've written letters before and haven't had answers, but they, they, they've they've made contact again to express their, their displeasure about the fact that they haven't had answers to questions over the stadium project from from John Nelms. So. There's, I think, there's, there's a, there's a problem there. I think you can, you can have that approach and say, I'll, I'll run the business the way I want to. I'm not interested in anybody's opinions of it. But when you're a football club, it's, it's not just about direct stakeholders in the sense that the owners put a lot of the money, the vast, vast majority of the money, and and it's also about the stakeholders that, that are the fans. So they feel that they have a say uh, in how the club should be operating. They certainly put money in every year, albeit on a smaller scale, but collectively that that adds up to a fair amount. So they, they feel that they have a right to, to understand the strategy, what's happening, and the stadium project's rumbled on for a long time. So I actually think for a managing director of a football club, I think they do have a G to be answerable. Now, whether that's through the media or not, that's that's entirely up to him. He can he can decide that I don't want to engage, and indeed he has decided he doesn't want to engage. That's up to him. But I do think he has a duty to engage with with the supporters of the club. So, yeah, there's the, the, there's a slight problem for me in 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 the absolute sort of curtain that he's drawn around yeah. himself. Yeah, you know, I, I I do think that's problematic, and it's something that that he will need to address. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he will, but there we go. You know, I think, no, I think we're too not. far down the road. I think we're too far down the road with him now for him to, for him to change his ways. Maybe Jim can text him to see if he'll find out. Anyway, I'll, get him on the I'll podcast, try. Jim. I'll try. But <laughs> you can ask him for a croissant. <laughs> Alan, Mark McGee, I, I've given away my age a bit. I mean, maybe, maybe actually you might remember it as well, but I could, I'm not going to take you back to him scoring winners for Scotland against England or, or 
for Aberdeen, but I can rem- I can certainly remember in terms of management and being a a bright young thing. He was one of those that had the I mean, the Fergie patronage. Um, it's been plenty of those down the years, obviously, and some some more successful than others. That's for sure. But you know, I can I can remember the the Judas Furore when. Uh, when he jumped ship from Leicester to Wolves, he was one of he was one of the most sought after managers. And there there have been some qualified success, well, some some out and out successes, some qualified successes, and some some sort of grisly failures as well. Um, but it's been a it's been a star that's been waning. I, th- I think that'd be fair to say, though, wouldn't it, Alan? When you look at kind of his his employment curve. You know, he was pitching up in the, I think it was the National League South, and you know, assisting, uh, assisting Simon Rusk at, you know, at, in the in the English lower league. So it looks strictly in terms of his management that his 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 highlights are a, a fair bit in the the dim and distant past. Is that is that doing him a disservice, Alan? No, not at all. I think we'd be treating Dundee fans like idiots if we were to list Mark McGee's successes, of which there are a few, and pretend that it's not relevant, that the vast majority come in the hazy distance of the past. Um, The last few managerial jobs he's had have either ended really badly or been fairly poor from start to finish. Um, So that's why there will be so much initial backlash but at the same time in the interest of fairness you know whether you think things that happened 15 20 years ago are relevant to management in 2022 is is kind of up to the the listeners to make their mind up on that but you know he does have you know a couple of promotions from you know the old the old second division in England he's an FA Cup semi-finalist with Wolves he took uh, Motherwell into Europe um, during his first spell with the club. He's been the assistant manager of Scotland at a time where statistically Scotland did okay under Gordon Strachan despite not getting to a major finals. So he does have a, a coaching pedigree CV that stands up. It's just that his failures have tended to be um, rather spectacular. I was going to say um, spectacular. Well, yeah, particularly, right. I mean, particularly everyone will remember the... And caught the, on camera. The, uh, exactly. The <laughs> the meltdown as he was sent to the stand at Pataudry in the midst of a 7-2 defeat, which obviously has now, we're not just mentioning that for giggles, we're mentioning that because it's incredibly relevant because that's why he will be banished to the stands for the first six games of his Dundee tenure, which again is another thing that... Um, has arced supporters. Um, I don't know if there's a feeling that that's something that Dundee uh, well, foresaw. Let's, yeah, let's, can see a, let's cut to this, Alan. Yeah, because it's. It, I mean, I again, it's, it's guesswork. But my guesswork is that Dundee hadn't factored this in, and then they were too far down the road with Mark McGee, and they're now talking about finding ways around and oh, Simon Rusk will be on the touchline. Blah blah blah. I'll not be a problem type thing. I I don't think. I can't for the life of me think that you would employ a manager who's for, it's not half the games he's going to be playing, but a fair chunk. And let's face it, Dundee need to get off to a flying start. You Would would you employ a manager who can't do a big part of his work? You just, knowingly, you know, and I just, I, I, my opinion is 
they didn't know. But there we go. Carry on, Alan. <laughs> well, well, I, well I, I wouldn't employ a manager in those circumstances, no. But then again, I wouldn't do several things that Dundee have done um, kind of over the, the past couple, <laughs> couple of years. But that's just, you know, that's just Got my opinion. Name I would, them. Uh, put, them, put them in order, start at 10. <laughs> well, let's do it chronologically. I wouldn't have replaced James McPake with Mark McGee. But, it's, uh, but, you know, it is what it is now. And if he's a roaring success, then happy days you know that's that's all you want but i find that i find it a strange one uh listen it's you know we're in a technologically advanced world now it's not you know being uh, 50 feet away from the dugout isn't a, a a horror show in terms of being able to get your point across however it isn't ideal there's a reason why despite the fact you've got a better vantage point in the stands most managers do go down to the touchline they want to affect the game they want to coach they want players to be able to hear their commands, see their actions. Yeah, they want to uh, shout at them. <laughs> exactly. So that the, not being able to do that will be an issue. There's also issues like you can't go down to the, the tunnel area, so you can't give team talks, you can't do that half-time address and, and, and make those changes and get your point across forcefully if needs be. Um, and so there's issues like that. And it's not, yeah, as you say, it's strange. It's not ideal. We'll we'll never know if they knew or didn't in advance because they're not going. No one at Dundee is going to come out and admit. Oh, geez, how embarrassing. Um, so we're never going to actually know. But it's a let's call it a peculiar situation. It's another one to add to that list of, of peculiar situations that have occurred uh, at in, Dundee since the kind of mid nineties. <laughs> You'll be equally as cynical as me, Jim. I dare say. I mean, remember, I remember the. Uh, the Jim McIntyre appointment, of course, and they didn't foresee the Billy Dodds scenario, did they? So, no, indeed, there is I mean, form here, isn't there? There is form yeah, here. There's a kind of, the, 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 I mean, let's be blunt. There's a sense of rank amateurism that's permeating all the way through this tenure now, and I think that's <clears throat> that's what's starting to to arc. Um, I think a lot of Dundee. It can take a long, long time for things to come at the boil. I mean, if you trace the history of. Dundee, you know, from second admin on and all the rest of it, and Tim Key's coming in, and he has backed the club. The man has backed the club. There's no doubt about that. But my my personal feeling is that Keys is tiring, tiring of his uh, his stewardship at Dens Park, um, and I think you know what we've got now is a ramshackle form of kind of running the club, and I think smarter Dundee fans are, are, are really kind of waking up to, you know, the, the, the deep distress the club is in, because I actually think this goes much deeper than just uh, changing management. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of wondering where this club are actually going, and, and, and more importantly, I'm wondering not even about the long-term future, I'm starting to wonder about the short to medium-term future of this club, What just exactly what it is, where they're going, whether there is a plan in terms of rebuilding and all the rest of it, but I mean, to touch on things at the moment, you know, I mean, the, um, it is a technological age, and you know, Mark McGee being up in the stand fifty yards away isn't the end of the world. Uh, one of the key things I you do don't, think don't get a great view for that stand no, as we no, 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 <laughs> listen. You should try up the back having cover. I was going to say he'll be further forward than uh, we are. Pillar there, now called the Willie Miller pillar. He, 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 he took took over from the Jim Spence pillar. He could never see the goals in the the Provy Road end. But um, no, I mean, I think the half time things that be quite an interesting one for me because quite often at half time yes. you've got that fifteen minutes. You know. A minute wasted, the boys getting up. A minute wasted, the boys getting up. You've got 12, 13 minutes by the time boys are sat down, they've breathed out their backside, grabbed a, an orange or a cup of tea or whatever they're going to have. And there are two or three key points that a manager must make. A good manager will only make two or three and short and sharp and succinct, but he can't make those. Um, that's why I think that Simon Rusk, who... who it was, cap, it was actually cap for Scotland, wasn't he? Under nineteen or twenty-one level. Under, eight, um, under eighteen. Yeah, under eighteen, 18 level yeah. was it? Yeah, I mean, he, 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 you know, he, he 
we hear he has a good coaching pedigree. Now, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not a fan of, of being overly critical of these sort of things. I mean, it was kind of like when Tam Courts got the job. I, mean, I think I wrote in my column saying, Courts is no bigger a risk than, you know, you know than Jose Mourinho. You just don't know. Sometimes people can turn out to be fabulous coaches or, or at least very competent, very good. Um, and track records quite often in football, we discover, suddenly come to a stop, count for nothing. Mark McGee looked as though you'd have a very bright managerial career. It, it went up, then it went down. That, that happens to, actually happens to nearly all managers. Um, in fact, it does, it happens to them all. So, you know, I think you, you give the benefit of doubt. Take, you know, it's one thing entirely what happened, the way McPake was treated and all the rest of it. This is an entirely different uh, kettle of fish. If it, it, you know, if it's worked out that they couldn't get the man that they wanted, let's say, for instance, it was Jack Ross or whoever else, um, then, you know, they've done the next best best thing. They, they've had to kind of then go to plan B, which didn't exist, you know, so they had to formulate plan B and be inventive uh, on the hoof, so to speak, come up with Mark McGee and a, a coach who McGee tells us is, is, is a bright young thing and, and has um, you know a good repertoire. There's a combination of things here. How the very early stuff. I mean, how they'll how they will hit it off with um, the players. What was the players' reaction? Well, I've heard various uh, various stories so far because we've all got our contacts. Um, the other thing is, you know, what were the coaching staff are there? What, what's the role for Dave McKay? Is he normally still there? Is he going to be sidelined? He's in an awkward position. Things like that. There's a whole lot of things I think that that will come out in the wash over the next two or three games. But I think the key thing is, is Dundee really kind of need to get off to a bit of a flyer, I think. Sean, it's 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 far from mission impossible. I mean, as we alluded to, at the minute Dundee are in the playoff position, so they're not even bottom. You know, there have there have been there have been Dundee managers who have taken over in tougher situations than this, I would suggest Jim McIntyre and Neil McCann, first time around, both were both were faced bigger battles to keep Dundee up than Mark McGee does. So, you know, obviously I, I cover a lot of St. Johnson. There is a there is a an improvement in St. Johnson, but St. Johnson are still bottom of the league. And, you know, if Dundee, all he has to do is keep Dundee where they are and, and, and win a playoff. And, you know, he's probably, he'll probably get the job longer term. Money. That seems to be his expectation, does, given on what he given what he said. Uh, he's unveiling. I mean, he, he he actually, for all that it was announced as a short term deal at the end of the season, he's saying directly, you know, we want to be here for the long term. <laughs> so uh, there you go. That's what that's what he expects. Um, if he, if he keeps them up, I think he'll he'll consider that mission accomplished, and and he will have clearly an expectation that, that the reassessment that follows with John Nelms and what have you, will, will ought to result in him having the job uh, on a longer-term basis. So uh, in terms of the task itself, yeah, they're, they're, they're a point ahead of St. Johnston. They also have a game in hand they do. on St. Johnston as a well. A winnable one. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, if they do win that, that's four. That's a, that's a strong position. Um, when you're, I mean, St. Johnston, you're right, there's been an improvement and they, they are picking up some points now, but... Um, if if St Johnston have ambitions of, of getting themselves off the bottom of the league, those those points really, and if you want it to be your own doing, effectively you need to start winning games, um, or more winning more games. Um, so th- that's from St Johnston's perspective. From Dundee's perspective, yeah, I mean the the task is it, simple. Mark McGee's got one job, and that's to keep them in the Premier League, Premiership. Sorry. Um, so yeah, uh, who knows? It's it's an absolute roll of the dice at this point. Um, 
and that's I mean you can understand why somebody might want to do it if you if you're you're looking at the way things are going with the current manager that being James McPake and Dundee were capable of getting results under James McPake and they often did pull them out of the bag when they needed them but the fact that you're in a position where you need them is the problem um, and, and if there was a perception that that situation wasn't going to change you understand why they've rolled the dice but it is a roll of the dice and it could go either way really really don't know Yes, um, which is never good for a podcast, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Of course, it's guesswork. Listen, Alan, how do you, how do you view we're moving into St Johnston territory now? Because it's obviously it's 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 a head to head unless one of them really finds some form, um, then it'll quickly become one team that's automatically you know cut adrift, and the other ones hoping to avoid the playoffs. But I think I think we're locked into. A Saints v Dundee head to head. Two kind of two schools of thoughts, certainly amongst supporters. Um, as far as St Johnson go just now, one being that this was never going to be a ship that was going to be. It was never going to go from from famine to feast, given the number of, given just how poor Saints were going in, in at the break, and given the amount of signings Callum Davison made, um, and that they're now. You can you can see this ship turning around. It's there are stronger foundations. They're better at the back. They've got a few draws. This you know they've they've stopped the, they've stopped the bleeding. They got a win at Livingston. So so things are trending in the right direction. The other school of thought is they need to be they need to throw caution to the wind and should be should be going for for games more than more than they are. That the fixture list they've just had is. Was the opportunity was a you know was a reasonably kind one was their opportunity to sort of to get above Dundee and to possibly even stay in touch with the pack above? Where do you where do you sit in in those two schools of thoughts, Alan? I think it's an interesting comparison. You know, they're swinging from Dundee to St Johnson. It does feel like Dundee have done what some relegation threatened teams do, which is roll the dice, change something, hope for a new manager bounce, whereas St Johnston have relied upon stability. The manager that won them a cup double has his system, has his players, wants to play in a certain way and believes that that will ultimately come good, albeit they've evolved slightly in terms of personnel and the yeah, way they're seeking to different play. different players to fit yeah, that system. absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it is an interesting contrast. Um, I'm a lot of St Johnston's future fortunes could come down to just how much of a manager, a new manager bounce Dundee get because, you know, St Johnston have improved. They are playing slightly better, but the results haven't exactly rocketed. You know, they've not got as many, you know, uh, victories as they would want beyond that Livingston one. So if Dundee string together a couple of wins, then it could get very hairy indeed. But speaking more specifically about St Johnston, as you allude to there, the new players, I say new, some of them are returning. Uh, and if Callum Hendry, he's been fantastic, new, Alan. Yeah, he's have been made fantastic. A, they've made a, a huge difference. And but for a couple of, I mean, I, I really do hate labouring on refereeing decisions because it can become uh, tedious and uh, you know lazy at times. But goodness me, there's been a couple of shockers and a couple of really untimely ones for oh, St Johnston yeah. when you can barely afford them in the position, and then you ally that with. 
injuries. The injuries, you know, and not injuries to, I mean, you wouldn't wish injuries on any player, of course, but injuries to players that specifically you really wouldn't want. You know, guys like Melker Halberg, who's, who really hit the ground running, you know, Callum Hendry obviously having to limp off. We'll, we'll see uh, the, the latest in terms of his comeback. And, uh, People and your that, goalie. And your goalie, <laughs> exactly. Your kind of talismanic goalie, uh, a, a huge figure not only on the pitch, but you know behind the scenes in terms of rallying the troops. It's it's people that you really don't want to be injured if you're going to uh, create a, a turnaround and really get a sense of positivity going. So it's your, we would be insulting St. Johnston fans if you were put, put down you know, too much to bad luck in terms of injuries and penalties. But what you can say without a doubt is, it's not helping turn these positive performances into more positive results, some of the things that have happened to the club. No, indeed. Uh, Jim, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of putting words into, into to Callum's mouth here because I think I think he will see it as putting down solid foundations and, you know, getting these sort of typically St. Johnson qualities back into his team and then hope they will, that that will be the basis for for the the draws turning into wins, et cetera, et cetera. I think there was a substitution that probably summed that up for me. You, you, you know, you see a lot of uh, St. Johnson fans. I think any any fans in St. Johnson's situation would be saying, we want to see the new man brought on in the second half. And it was Stevie May that came on. So that obviously, and at the time, I'm pretty sure it was one, it was one nil at the time um, to St. Johnson. So, you, you get the the people that just want to say, "Come on, what can we lose? Get Theo Bear on, and let let's let's go for it." And it was Stevie May that came on because he clearly is the man that Callum Davison thought would do a job on that in those set of circumstances, which would be try and get them on the pitch, run around, cover, defend, do those sort of things. So that kind of it it plays into this theory that Callum doesn't yet think they're at the it's, you know, do or die stage just yet. This could entirely go to the last kick of the ball of the last uh, game of the season, the way things are shaping up. You know what I mean? But now, you're expecting a yo-yo between the two. I am, I must admit. Well, yeah, and, and I think you're right to suggest it's now a, a bun fight between Saints and, and Dundee. I've been starting to think more and more of that over the, over the weeks. I mean, it's, it's difficult to see now whether they, you know, whether they can rein in Ross County, Levy, whatever. I, I just don't think that's going to happen, you know. So now, you know, what you're looking at is, <clears throat> is uh, you know, a new management duo at Dens. Can they can they come in, see what they see, shape things up, and uh, and change things quite dramatically? Um, can and and listen, fair play to Steve Brown as well, or, or Iron Balls Brown, as we should now refer to the Saints chair, because he's stuck with his man. You, and, you can and, you and, can refer to him like that. And, if you uh, want. I won't be. And, <laughs> no, and, and rightly so. I mean, you know, you talk, you've got a manager who's won two cups, a, a, an unparalleled feat uh, in St. Johnson's history. It'll never be done, unlikely to be done again by any Scottish club outside of Celtic or Rangers. Um, so he's got the new bodies in now, you know, he, he's, he's, he's got bodies in there that we wait to see what happens, you know. Um, and, and we're all kind of excited to to see what happens to the Mahons and the Blairs and and all the rest. That you know, I mean, Henry kind of looks as though he might be kind of reborn. Um, that's just you know, this is going how to did go. He sound, think, sorry, Jim. How did how did uh, how did Mister Brown? Did he? I know it was it was a Brown about the Dundee United game. It was at the Dundee United game. Sorry, you, you chatted to him. Did he seem quite positive about I, it all? Well, how was he, he was. How, he was, was you, how would you? Where would you put his mood? 
Well, he, he was very envious of my <coughs> my Peaky Blinders bonnet. Um, well, that, that's, uh, that, that was, yeah. that's what we were mainly sharing discussions about, you know. <laughs> but no, I mean, and he, he seemed, um, you know, he, you know, uh, I think a fair chunk of the conversation was, as I alluded to last week, I think he's just done in with the whole kind of period where you're dealing with so many agents. And at this time of year, agents are in quite a strong position. They're trying to kind of, well, let's be blunt, they're trying to screw clubs for whatever they can get out of them because they've got a living to make, you know. So I think that's kind of taken its toll of them. And, and he's, he has been under pressure as well because although I don't think Saints fans have been as volatile and, and, and generally I don't think are, are as volatile as Dundee fans. And why would they be? Because they've enjoyed a much greater period of success. Um but nevertheless, in, in a, a city the size of Perth, you know, where, where he, he does his business, you know, whether he goes for a pint or whether he goes to fill up with petrol or whether he goes for a cup of coffee or on the building sites that he makes his living and uh, travelling up and down, he'll be getting it in the neck from people, you know. So it's it's no easy being, being a chairman. That's no many excuses. I mean, I've been critical enough of him, but I mean, by and large, over a long period, it's been very, very difficult to be as critical of a well-run club as St. Johnston. You can be critical at the moment because things have gone kind of absolutely arse for elbow, let's be blunt, after their great success. But um, they still look to me as though they've got a squad capable of pulling themselves away. The problem is now, for us in this neck of the woods, this this is going to be a battle between two teams. And I mean, none of us want to see either of the two teams going down, uh, but it's going to be one of them, I suspect, automatically, and entirely possibly both of them um, through a playoff. So he's got oh, to now, you know... You're a little reassured this morning, Jim. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but we'd be <laughs> Away, shaping, shaping the squad, shaping this new, um, you know, the new collection of players that he's assembled over the past few weeks uh, into a workable working unit. And and what you've got to kind of hope is there's there's a spirit there that they can coalesce around. Uh, the great thing about Callum as a manager is he's not a panic merchant. He's, he's a kind of he's a force for for for. Um, general equilibrium, and I think that will spread to the players. But there's a fine line between that kind of let's not panic. Uh, uh, you know, uh, approach to life and saying, actually, let's not panic, but you know what? We're in quite a serious position here, so get your fingers out. Yeah, well, I, w- I won't deprive you of your, your say and sense, Sean, but do you <laughs> see it as a... Because I think you, cause you'd, be, you'd be metaphorically boot, booting my shins under the table, even though we're 20 miles away if, if I moved on to Dundee United without letting you have your say, <laughs> say on Saints. Do you... Uh, I guess Jim makes a very good point. One that it's 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 a glaringly obvious one, but yeah, Dundee can change. It might actually it might actually be you that made the original point, but anyway, it, Dundee could change the narrative for St Johnson very very quickly, and it becomes more of a we have to gamble more here sort of mindset, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you're six points behind, then uh, sorry, four. It would be four if Dundee won their game. You're, you're flinging Theo Bear on, aren't you? I would imagine so. I th- and it, yeah, you're right to point out that I think at, at this point, when in the January, a lot of uh, a lot of focus was on how the squad needed to be added to, needed to be changed. That was facilitated by the chairman. The players were brought in, and. I think a point of frustration is that we haven't really seen many of them uh, amongst supporters. Um, now, yeah, I mean, it, it fits entirely with, with what we've seen of Callum Davidson as a manager. You could frame it as a as a calmness, as a as a, a, a pragmatism, or you could you could frame it as risk aversion, uh, which could be a positive or a negative, but. Um, risk aversion and conservatism and all these things as well. Uh, and I, I, I sort of lean towards that side. 
uh, as a supporter, I'm a bit, I'm a bit impatient. I'll probably give myself away over a number of weeks in that <laughs> regard. So, uh, I, I would, I would like to, I would like to see a bit more of a change, uh, because I think that although there, I was really pleased with with what I saw as as I was actually working at the game, but as a fan, certainly away at Livingston at home at Dundee United, they, 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 the performances have been improved by a couple of key players coming in and I, and I would in particular highlight Dan Cleary who I think has done a really transformative job in the back three and for the team as a whole and Halberg coming in has been huge Henry's done a great job since he's come in as well I think these three are the, are the, are the three sort of keys uh, to what's improved but I would still like at key moments in games to see a little bit more adventure from him because I think we I think he does tend towards protecting what's there at a given moment and I do understand that but I've seen a lot of that this season and it rarely works it's rarely worked the way that they would want it to there, there has been a notable drop off in second half performances throughout the season I think and, and it happened again at Aberdeen to an extent I think and at a time where you're, you're, you're Callum seeking to protect a position you're 1-0 up I think 1-0 is is, is with 20 minutes, 20 odd minutes to go, that's a very dangerous position for St. Johnson this season. It has been on numerous occasions and I would just like to see a wee bit more adventure because sticking with the status quo is one thing and, and throwing Stevie May on as an, as an example of that, if you like, yes, he'll do a job, he'll run, he'll work defenders, he'll do all of that stuff, but will he score you a goal? Probably not. And that's, that's where things get frustrating, I think, so... At certain times, I'd like to see a bit more adventure because we are now getting to a point in the season where that sort of, well, let's just be calm. It's all right. We'll be okay. It's starting to shift away from that now. Even though even though it's one point to Dundee, it's, it's seven to Ross County now. So that is an issue, I think. So that's just my personal opinion. I'd, I'd like to see a few more of these bodies who've been brought in coming on. Uh, at certain points in matches because at the moment it's it's still just a wee bit too much like it was before for my liking and, and I didn't like that <laughs> in the first place <laughs> No you didn't, so, no you didn't No. <laughs> well from one gung-ho journal- career journalist to another Alan, United have uh, United have certainly well, they've sorted things out haven't they I mean they're, they're, they're fourth in the league through the, like Dundee through the next round of the cup, they're not going to catch hearts but all, all is well again with Dundee United, is it, Alan? It's amazing how a couple of results can completely change the mood and completely change the narrative uh, around a football club. Um, that uh, fairly modest run, to put it kindly, um, in front uh, prior to the the two victories, have you know had people asking questions, not vociferously. There wasn't any you know overarching pressure on uh, Thomas Courts, but at the same time, we're calling uh, him Tam now. By the are way, we calling him Tam? <laughs> never quite. I can never quite keep <laughs> keep up to Tam. This is what we're calling Tam. Uh, but let's at least I didn't descend to Mister Courts. Um, no, it's. I think I don't think there was any real pressure on. Tam Courts, but there was uh, certainly questions regarding the, the progress of the team and uh, the performances, and certainly and the way he was attack. talking after games. He was talking about <laughs> he talked about a rubbish after the St Johnston game, didn't he? Let's face it, the waves after waves, and that he, you know he kind of he I he he, he talked I it didn't it didn't make much sense what he was he was he was saying after a couple of games, but yeah, carry on. It's, 
it's a slight it's a slight tangent, but I find that to be a a common theme amongst uh, a few of the kind of younger generation managers. I think it's maybe quite a modern positive thinking thing. I hear a lot of it from Sean Maloney as well, um, where you've objectively watched a football match and the team has not played well, and then the manager comes out and says could have won 5 nil, And you're going, what? <laughs> I, I think, I really do think that's a positive mindset thing. It's a shaping the narrative. It's making people think uh, what you want them to think. Um, and it but, gets you mocked on social media, doesn't it? That's the yeah, thing, but I guess if, if you think you're creating a sense of positivity around the club, then it's, a, it's worthwhile. It's just whether fans who saw the game with their own eyes would necessarily appreciate that. Um, but that's a, a side point, but certainly something that courts... You know, for for better or worse, wants to be positive about every result. Wants to see um, the 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 benefits of the, the way his teams playing, regardless of the results. And that's come to fruition in the last couple of games. There's been a big improvement there, and the results have been massive. And I don't think it's a particularly strong uh, top six this season, aside from obviously Rangers and Celtic. You know, it's a fluid uh, one, ha- that's for sure. Yeah, Hearts are run away. Uh, you know, going to finish third, and <laughs> you speak to some of their supporters, and there's disgruntlement about yeah, the way they're playing. That's and, though, eh? Yeah, but anyway. it's typical. I think that's I think that's indicative of a feeling that it's it's not an overly strong top end. And you look at Dundee United's results uh, going into cementing their spot in fourth, and it's uh, they're they're not overly impressive over a long period of time, but they're still right up there. So there's a massive chance for them to finish fourth. They're in the last eight of the Scottish Cup and there's every reason for positivity. And just uh, to to shine a light on someone in particular, delighted for young Ross Graham coming in oh, and yeah. helping Dundee United to a really good run of, of clean sheets. And Does it make looking... Peter Grant look very good? No, that Peter Grant looks very good in the eyes of Dunfermline fans anyway, but no, gee, it's... Was that, that doesn't have... We're talking about, you know, you can kind of think of sort of Jack Ross's CVs being enhanced a wee bit by the fact that Sean Maloney hasn't got off to a flyer. But Ross Graham, oh, one of Dundee United's best players, and and he was, and he, and yeah, and and you saw him at Dunfermline because he's been asked to defend. He's been asked. He's a young man who's being uh, asked to simply defend and be part of a coherent unit and let other, perhaps more experienced players, do what they do well, uh, rather than as a teenager being asked to play in a back three and stride out like a Ronald Koeman. It was never going to go well. And allied with the fact that he was playing in front of supporters for basically the first time in his career due to the, the COVID issues, um, I think he was really hardly, you know, he was he was supported. He was uh, clearly, you know, Peter Grant, for example, rated him very highly and I'm sure he appreciated that. But at the same time, in terms of the role he was asked to fulfil, I don't think it was necessarily fair on him and didn't give a fair reflection on what he can do as a player. And I'm glad he's getting the chance to show that now because I think a lot of Dunfermline fans, um, when he left the club, thought, next time we see that boy, it will be, you know, League One, League Two. And I'm absolutely delighted that that's not the case because he's a, he seemed a, he seemed a nice kid. Ah, he comes across well. He's from a a famous sporting family as well, a famous sporting family in in these parts anyway. Jim, have you given United a a chance of uh, the Rangers double? I I don't think um, it's beyond the realms of possibilities. I'll have to say, Rangers looked very, very impressive last night. Um, they, you know they, they were slick, they were quick, um, and they, they just Dortmund less so. Look, my word. Yeah, well, awful. class above, I thought. You know, but I mean, this is yeah. this is back to domestic uh, duties. So you know, um, there's a lot of things I think to like about United at the moment. 
you know, what we've been talking about, you know, fans, fans see, every fan sees the game through a different lens, through, you know, a, a different set of binoculars, if you want, you know, maybe, you know, our ideas of what is good football, nice football, proper football, everyone has a different view of these kind of things, you know, but I think at the moment, um, you know, Mulgrew has to come back, you know, um, which I think will be terrific when he gets back. I think what has been a sensationally good signing, Kevin McDonald just looks several classes above um, what United, I think, have got the right to expect. So putting him in a midfield where you've got the quality of Levitt, uh, resurgence of Harks, you know, Niskanen, who kind of, you know, has got pace and kind of energy and desire to burn. Graham, you know, developing into a lovely young prospect and all the rest of it tied in there with you know, Edwards and Butcher. But I think there's a lot of things to be very happy about. And a decent bench, you know, a mix of kind of youth and, uh, well, not much experience, to be honest with you, on the bench. But I mean, there's a lot of things to be happy about. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is quite simple that, you know, we've been talking, we've spent a fair chunk of time talking about Saints. Dundee and their powerless position. I mean, Dundee United fans, I'm not entirely sure what they've got to complain about. You know, I know people moan about where's the club going, what's happening behind the scenes, all the personal political stuff. You know, for the moment, that's neither here nor there. Talking about the football, sitting fourth top of the league with 33 points. You know, I mean, the better superior goal difference to, to Motherwell. I mean, I'm not entirely sure how that falls into, in a league where outside the Celtic Rangers, and even sometimes including them, anyone has the beatings of anyone else. I'm not entirely sure why that is a cause for complaint or concern. Um, You know, if the season finishes like this for United in that position, it will have been wildly successful. So, you know, I mean, just, just briefly about the boys who want to come in, come in, I'm sure. I mean, I had a couple of interesting charts the other day. One way with someone who's produced goodness knows how many top players over a long, long, long period in the Scottish game. And he was talking about the kind of players United once had, the kind of players they've got. Now, we were talking generally about the game, you know, whether the quality's gone up, diminished or whatever. But also talked to a guy who'd been who'd played at Tardis and, you know, it was some of the great teams. And, you know, the point was made that Dundee United, you know, this kind of image that, you know, made this point before this, you know, the reading burnt, the reading, Bannon and Millen's pace and Sturrock. I mean, very often United played long diagonals up to Dodge for a knockdown for Sturrock. I mean, you know, wasn't it always 25 glorious passes? Quite often it was quick counter-attacking stuff, a long ball. There are many ways to play football and you play with the squad that you've got. I think at the minute, that Courts, who's still a young, young manager. I mean, this is it's a virgin season for him, you know. I mean, I think he's done very, very well indeed. And I don't know. I mean, when it comes time to criticise him, you know, over a long period of time, we'll have to do it. But for the moment, United sitting there in fourth position, um, up, you know, due to face Rangers, uh, you know, at Tannadice, and then Aberdeen coming up. Um, going into these games, you'd give United a chance. Now, you know, before he came in, you might not have, but... Um, I'd give United a chance of taking something out of this. I'm not entirely sure they will, but they've got they've got every chance of taking a point or so from from Rangers. Whether they can beat them, another thing entirely, given the the, the quality of the squad that uh, Rangers have got. But I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. And frankly, going into the Aberdeen game the next week, they should win it. Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up by throwing our broth at you, and then I'm gonna come to Alan to sort of sum us up where where we are with with Wraith with Wraith Rovers because it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken about them and, and that stories obviously moved on. I find this an intriguing stage of the season for our growth now because they're out the cup, obviously. They did they, they absolutely, they, they did they did themselves justice in, in the game against Hibs. The, the result against Hamilton and the performance wasn't what they wanted, but they kind of, it kind, it got enhanced by what happened elsewhere. 
namely Kilmarnock losing to to Air United. We're into a different we're in a different spell of the season, aren't we? Now this is when you know, Dick, Dick, yeah. yeah, Dick Campbell can't get away with. I mean, he might try it, but it's, it'd be utter utter rubbish if he if he tried to come and give us that. Oh, we don't care about you know. It's all about staying up, or oh no, maybe even if we get in the playoffs, they are they're front top of the league going into the final, not quite the final furlong, but you you, you get my drift. It's it's a different mentality shift now, isn't it? And I think going away to Queen of the South, who obviously aren't a good team because they're they're bottom in, they're bottom of the league, and they've just got rid of their manager. This is a different test altogether for them now, isn't it? Yeah, as I said, it's 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 getting real at this point. I mean, they're they're, they're two points clear with the game in hand of Kilmarnock um, at this point, so they they are absolutely in with a chance. Of winning this, do the bookies Never have them favourites? Just... I don't know. I must have. I actually don't yet. know. I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, but they're, they're certainly. I bet they don't. I bet they still have Kilmarnock favourites. Probably narrowly. Yeah, you would have thought so. Um, but they are. They are absolutely in. Whether whether it's accepted publicly or not, they are in with a chance of winning this league at this point. So. Uh, I mean, with that comes pressure, and I understand why uh, Dick Campbell would seek to sort of minimise that pressure publicly, at least by by uh, rubbishing the idea that the, the title's on the cards. And but I, I do think like a part of part of the reasoning behind playing it that way for Dick Campbell is is it, he's entitled to do it because they're a part time team in the championship, so they've they've no divine right to be there whatsoever. It's an incredible achievement to be top of the league at this stage of the season for for a part time group of players when you're up against the likes of Kilmarnock, for God's sake. I mean, even even Dunfermline, uh, who are uh, having a shambolic season, uh, for our both to be top and them to be bottom is a, it's an incredible inversion of of what you would expect. So for Dick Campbell to play it down, it's understandable because you. you, you it's an incredible thing and you don't want this perception of failure to cling on to you. If you've been saying for the last three months, oh yeah, we can win it, we can win it. If you fall away, then it looks like you failed. So you don't want that. Uh, so I understand why he's playing it down, but we are now at the point of the season where, no, this is this is a real thing. You, you're, you're two points clear with a game in hand and you're, we're in we're end of February, mid, mid-February, end of February, we're heading towards March. This is, this is you've got a real chance here. So yeah, there, there, there will be I mean, I don't know if a mentality shifts correct because I don't, I don't know. There's often a difference between what's said publicly and what's said privately. Oh, I think he'll have been um, saying for I, months we can win this league. Yeah, I think he'll have been saying that. Yeah, and uh, uh, you get the sense that as this as this incredible run has continued, that that, that they actually believe it. Yeah, I think so because they they do have this sort of air of of calmness about them. There isn't this sort of desperation or panic. It's just it's all. Just continuing as it was, and, and results are continuing to come. And even you know, a few weeks ago, they go away at Air United and they lose down there, and you think, "Oh, is that it? If they always come off?" But then they come back, and they—I mean, they, one of them was a cup game, but they win the next three games, draw another one with Hamilton. After that, they're obviously out of the cup now, but then they put up a decent fight at the start. That'll not do them any harm, and it'll not do them any harm to be out of the cup. As well, so they are they are absolutely in with a shout of winning this league, and uh, I'm pretty sure they'll believe that in there as well. But even if they don't, I mean, you don't see them finishing outside the playoffs at this point. And if they get into the playoffs, that's an incredible achievement oh, too. Yeah. And you absolutely wouldn't rule them out at yeah, that point. Yeah. But 
they should be targeting the title because they can win it. Yes, indeed. Even though it wouldn't be a failure, that is the only way that I think a season could now be perceived as a failure would be if they were to collapse and fall out the playoffs. But it, you know, I don't think that would be I unthinkable. Don't, I don't think that's going to happen now. Alan, just Wraith Rovers. Where are we with Wraith Rovers? And to because we didn't podcast last week. And how is this? Is it playing out as you kind of? thought it would play out as far as I'm talking, as far as, you know, the changes or proposed changes behind the scenes and perhaps you were in the ground at Celtic Park and and gauging opinion and perhaps the sort of the way that fan opinion is kind of not getting behind John McGlynn, that wouldn't be the right phrase, but he certainly, he's, my perception seems to be he's through the worst of it, shall we say? Yeah, it's. I think you're right in saying that a universal backing for for John McGlynn would be um, uh, overstating it. But the support he was given at, at Celtic Park by those fans who evidently are still willing to go in and support the team uh, was very vociferous and I know gratefully uh, received. But those that are the most angry, those that uh, haven't forgiven what's occurred, simply aren't attending games, so you won't be able to gauge their opinion. So that's just the that's just the the fact of that matter. I think uh, the last time we we discussed this, we discussed the fact that there needed to be a mea culpa before a process of healing could start, and uh, we got that from John McGlynn, who answered thirty nine minutes worth of questions about the David Goodwillie debacle um, prior to going to Celtic, and was very honest about it, didn't shirk any questions and was very apologetic. Um, I still think there were several questions that um, a lot of them were for him and a lot of them he fronted up on, but I think there were several questions that um, were more for the board of directors. Um, and again, going back to whether or not uh, chair people of football clubs should be coming out and answering questions. I realise that it's not at all comparable with the, you know, asking John Nelms to ask answer questions about a managerial appointment or a, or a stadium, but um, there's a, a, a desire for, for John Sims to, John, John Sim, pardon, to answer a few uh, pretty key questions in yeah, order for people to, to, front to, the center, to yeah. yeah, in order for people to properly move on or properly understand his, his thinking. Um, it's interesting this week, obviously, with that statement talking about a, a pre, you know, a period of consultation and uh, analysis of the the board setup and makeup with a view to some changes prior to the end of the season. I would be pretty stunned. If we don't see uh, a new chair of uh, of Wraith Rovers, um, uh, it's not good corporate governance for the person who owns the stadium and pretty much runs the club to also be the chair. That's a uh, you know that's something particularly when he lives in Thailand. That's not a great situation. I would expect that to change, and I would expect a couple of new faces um, on the board. Um, I think you need fresh voices, different perspectives, different opinions. Hell, maybe different backgrounds might be good, um, just for uh, you know some some sense of um, you know diversity and uh, having a different perspective on things. But uh, whether any of those responsible for the decision to sign David Goodwillie actually leave the board, or whether we're just talking about new additions, um, is something that remains to be seen. But to to go back to your your uh, initial question, yes, the I guess the worst of it, if you want to put it like that, is over. But I think for for certainly a portion of the support. Um, some some questions still need to be answered. Yeah, just and 
finally, finally, Jim, because just a thought came into my head. I think with it, with Wraith, the intriguing bit about this will be for me, and I know we always it always feels always feels a bit clumsy and a bit you know to to go back into talking football, but we have to. And I think the intriguing bit for me in terms of fans and just just in general would be if Wraith's form picks up and they get themselves right into the mix for possibly the title, but likely the, the playoffs and how how we see the post you know, how we see the fan reaction to that and all the rest of it. That'll be that'll be a fascinating one for us, won't it, looking in. Yeah, well, I mean, there's you know, the, the, there's a fine line, um, uh, you know, uh, in football generally when matters of serious moment crop up, and uh, you know, and, and and you know, to be blunt, what cropped up, what came up at Wraith Rovers was was much more serious than you know, the managerial situation at Dundee. But you know, there is a kind of there is that kind of my, my not not my country right or wrong, but my club right or wrong, and people will you know, you kind of sense that um, a combination of things is Alan put it there, the healing process starts. A lot of people now have put their hands up at, at race and said, look, we got this seriously badly wrong. We made, we made an absolute mess and there's dog's ear of it. Um, that'll not please a lot of people, but it will please some. Um, if they get themselves back into to the hunt, the hunt, that hunt is more liable to be a playoff place than, you know, because there's seven points of drift of our growth and, and they've played a game more. So I doubt very much if they're going to kind of uh, win the title. Um, but, uh, you know, the Playoff place, absolutely. Um, the potential for that is is is, is certainly alive. Um, then I think a combination of kind of race having put their hands up by and large, um, you know, to to apologise profusely, pointing the way forward to a different future with a much more diverse kind of inclusive, um, modernist approach to to, to life. Um, then I think that you know I would imagine the bulk of fans will will rally then because you know because they, they, then you're into the rehabilitation. If you can have rehabilitation of an individual, you can also have rehabilitation of a club. Um, I don't know the exact figures. I don't know how many people are staying away. What the percentage is? Um, it's obviously substantial. I mean, given what race average crowds are fifteen hundred a shall and give or take sixteen. Hundred, um, you know, there's, about that. Uh, there's, there's, there's obviously a fair number of people, kind of, you know, who who have, have really kind of taken uh, the bit between their teeth with us. Um, I, I would imagine that if they if they start to come forward and in, in light of what's you know the acceptance, the hands up, um, the the offer, or certainly that the strong hint of change for the future, um, then I think there will be a healing process generally among people. It's not I have to say it's not not a phrase I'm overly fond of because it. It kind of always it always sounds vaguely supine to me, you know. Not that the people who made the decision of, of uh, shouldn't be supine to be frank with you. It was a crazy decision, but anyhow, um, yeah, I would imagine that you know fans will rally to the cause. Um, although I do have a suspicion that what's happened at race may well um, take the wheels off the wagon completely here. I think the minds minds may well be unfocused in, in, in several quarters at that club. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Jim, and, and thanks, guys. You know, we've, we've run on a bit longer than usual, but we had a fortnight's worth of, of things to get, get stuck into, and we will be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find talking football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe 
to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.